1: I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, today, you all are in for such a treat. I have to tell you, from the moment I met this woman, I was like, she's going to be on the podcast, we're going to be friends, <laughs> and that's just that. <laughs> so, Amy Paulson is here with us today, and she's going to be sharing her story and journey from victim to survivor, to self-empowered, to global trauma recovery educator. So let me tell you a little bit about Amy as we get started here. She is a community educator, a healing activist, and co-founder and executive director of the Gratitude Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to transform individual and collective trauma into healing through innovative trainings, workshops, and healing programs around the world. So she has been taking her work and into the San Francisco Bay Area, but also into places like Nepal and Kenya and South Africa and Uganda. So really bringing healing and hope to many, many regions of the world. So, Like many of us who are doing this work, Amy is a survivor of trauma herself. She was born in South Korea and when she was just one day old, she was trafficked to an orphanage and several months later adopted to America where she would later be diagnosed with clinical depression, generalized anxiety disorder, and bulimia. But her story does not end there, folks, because by the time she was in her twenties, she remembered being sexually abused as a child, and she's going to tell us more about that, and more importantly, how she's been able to move forward from this trauma and step into this work in, from it, that she does at Gratitude Alliance, which also meant leaving a 14-year corporate career, and so she's learned so much from her journey and oh my gosh, just really thinking about survivors of sexual and gender-based violence and takes all of that to inspire community leaders around the world. Beyond that, she is just a kick-ass woman. She is so wonderful to be in the presence of. I adore her. I love her. And so I can't wait for you all get, to get to know her too. Amy, thanks so much for being here. Hi.
3: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. i just so grateful it's been a long time coming.
2: yeah,
1: it has indeed, <laughs> okay, so where we're going to start today is i I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your story and your healing journey.
3: Oh, thank you. well, gosh,
1: this is a story that started over
3: forty something years ago. Um, and you know even when telling it, it's still really hard to believe that it is. It's my life, and it's not just some crazy, like, lifetime movie. Um, but so I was I was born in South Korea, as you mentioned on the intro, um, and I was adopted to America at three and a half months old, and my paperwork said I was abandoned at a police station, and there was no information to trace back my family history. So I grew up in this family where... Um My folks are from the Midwest, um like many Korean adoptees who end up in the u s My parents are from Minnesota, and they had another daughter who's two years older who is also adopted from Korea but not my biological sister but so we grew up as sisters and um and gosh, it was around the time that I was twelve, I think that I had started exhibiting symptoms of trauma um at that time, I was suicidal, I was depressed, um, and I didn't really know about depression. I just knew I didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, it was a really hard time. I think that's a hard time for most kids, you know, who are, who are in adolescence or kind of transitioning to early adulthood. Um, but I had no tools for understanding what was going on. Um, And so by the time I was a teenager, when I was going into, gosh, it was sometime around the last year or so of of high school, was when I was officially diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and and bulimia. So by that time, it had gotten pretty bad. I was was sick. I was, gosh, I must have been throwing up something like five times a day. I was dancing um, five, six days a week. So I wasn't exactly, I, I, on the outside I looked like I was the picture of perfect health, at least for a dancer, you know, thin and, um, and in shape inside, I was just a complete mess. Um, I, I was in a lot of pain and I, I didn't feel like I could show that to anyone, certainly not to my parents, not to my peers at school, um, and not to my teachers or, or anyone who I might consider even somewhat of a mentor. I mean, I was I was this straight A student who supposedly had um everything going for her at the time. It was just a complete mask. Um and what I later found out was a coping strategy. So, you know, fast forward years later, decades later even, you know, I continued my healing journey through therapy and medication. Um, I left the U.S. and traveled for 10 years, um, lived and worked abroad. And I um, went back to Korea in 2009 to visit the place where I had lived as a baby in an orphanage. And they told me there was some information in my file that um, looked like it was on the back of, of one of the pages in handwriting. looked like it, it was four names and four birth dates. And they said, oh, this is probably your your birth family. Do you want to, to search for them? So, you know, I, I had gone back there not expecting to find anything, really. I just wanted to go see where I lived as a baby. Um, and it took me quite some time to decide whether or not I really wanted to go ahead with the
1: search process.
3: Because all of this stuff came up for me, things that I thought I had healed, um, around abandonment trauma and what if this family doesn't like me um what if they don't want to reconnect what if there's so much shame what if they don't even find them you know all all the all the fears came up and um you know ultimately I decided this might be my one and only chance and so I went ahead um started the search process or rather the the um, social worker in Korea and, and the police, I guess, there started the search process and I heard nothing for like a year and a half and then one day I got an email saying, um, Amy, this is your sister. Uh, we just found out you're alive. Um, Mom and dad are still alive. You have two older sisters and a younger brother and we would really love to connect with you or your family and um my gosh, that changed that changed everything. So six months later, I was on a plane to Korea to go meet my or reunite with my my family, my biological family. And in the process, I discovered that I had not been abandoned at the police station like my paperwork said. I was oh, it's complicated. I was my mother had just given birth to me. I was the third girl in a really patriarchal society Um, and I think the marriage wasn't really great at the time and my aunt and the midwife um, who helped deliver me took me after my mom was asleep after giving birth, took me to the orphanage, Um, some transaction happened And when she, my mother awoke, they told her I had died. So by that time I was, you know, I was uh, (laughs) a sellable good, I guess you could say. I mean, lots of Korean babies were being transported Mm -hmm. over to the U.S. for international adoption. So, um, So that was just a really powerful realization thinking, oh, my gosh. So, you know, maybe it wasn't necessarily abandonment trauma and the trauma that I grew up with thinking that no one wanted me um, turned into a much more complicated narrative um, and one that I I still feel like I can't fully understand and and maybe I'm not really meant to fully understand. Um, And so in the process of, of reconnecting, I also discovered that my mother, my biological Korean mother, was also orphaned. I think she was about six years old when the North Korean army um, killed her parents. And she was separated from her brother, who was 10 at the time, went to an orphanage, was adopted by a South Korean family. Um, And so, you know, grew up with trauma, um, which, you know, later. In continuing my healing journey, I I discovered the intergenerational aspect of trauma and how epigenetics can provide a way for, I guess, trauma to get um, coded in the DNA. And so the way in which that legacy of trauma passed down, gosh, from my grandmother to my mother to me you know, even before I was born was pretty profound and, and really changed everything. And the whole narrative that I had built for myself um, around, you know, not being wanted here on this planet changed to something like, oh, okay, yeah, actually this is a legacy. And and actually there's a legacy of healing that lives in me too. And so um, I, I, I embarked on this journey after I returned back um, from that, really amazing experience to quit my job at the time, um, a fourteen year career in, in finance, um, and start Gratitude Alliance. And um my gosh, it's been the most incredible journey of of hope and joy and gratitude and um and yes, like painful moments too, but I'm now at a place where I, I'm fully feeling My feelings, or at least trying to feel my feelings, um, and the joy and the sorrow, and and not numbing in the ways that I that I used to before, you know. And what a gift that is!
1: Wow. Yes, Amy. Thank you so much um, for for sharing your story and. it's really beautiful to hear because as we've, you know, known each other, I've gotten, you know, bits and pieces, but to to really hear the, and I know there's still, you know, more, you could probably say we could have a whole, you know, hour on the journey, <laughs> I'm sure, um, but it's nice to hear some more of just the experience that you've had and what a journey it has been, lady. I mean, my goodness. Um, just, you know, one of those experiences would, you know, be enough to, to impact someone. And the fact that you've really come through um, such a, 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 I don't know, there are just so many different words that are coming to mind right now. I'm a little tongue-tied because my heart is just so full of, you know, admiration and inspiration, uh, and really just in the space of as we're, we hear people tell their stories in this world of Beyond Surviving, it's really always looking at how do we take these experiences that are so traumatic and that come to shape us and define us, and then how do we redefine that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. And I hear so much of that work that you've done in your journey. Hmm. Yeah,
3: I think, you know, it's so difficult with growing up with childhood trauma or, or any kind of trauma. It is, it in many ways feels like it defines us or I speak from I, I mean, it defined me in many ways and and, and became part of my identity. Um, and for so long, I was just kind of spinning in this vortex of my own story, the, the trauma piece of the story. Not seeing, oh yeah, there's also this strength piece, this resilience Mm. piece, and um, it took me decades to 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 get to that point, and you know, and I'm still still in it. You know, I'm still on the journey. I think it's it's a lifelong journey, but I feel like the reframing um, from being kind of in the vortex to actually seeing the empathy and the compassion that it's, it's sort of opened this doorway for me to feel like I can, I can really connect to other people in their suffering, in their stories. Um, And that I feel like is, is a superpower that, Mm -hmm. that something like trauma can give to us, you know, but it's so hard to see that when, when, you know, I'm just deep in the story. So it takes, different experiences to kind of help pull us out to pull me out um of that vortex and oh yeah okay there's there's something really beautiful here too wow
1: Yes, and, and I imagine that is part of what has compelled you towards something um, working with an organization called Gratitude Alliance, <laughs> you know, yeah. finding gratitude um, in, in our experiences and how that can lead to even deeper healing. So tell me a little bit more about Gratitude Alliance. I want the listeners to really um, understand the, the work that you're doing within that organization.
3: Yeah, well, you know, like all things, that's been a journey as well. Um, we started kind of with just this idea. Myself and, and several other co-founders came together and said, okay, what can we What can we do in the world? Um, I have been supporting several organizations that work with orphaned children. Um, clearly, that was an issue that was close to my heart. And we reached out to... Those organizations, I mean, really grassroots organizations, the type that that aren't getting funding from, like, you know, Save the Children or UNICEF, you know, these are like the underdog organizations that are really doing the work. Um, And we just said, how can we support you? And over the years, three major things came up education, um, vocational skills, so some kind of job skills training, and trauma healing. And what we learned over the years after investing in those three areas to support local partners was the organizations that didn't have um, a strong, I guess, support system for trauma and for healing trauma were having um, challenges with education, with vocational skills programs, with all the other kinds of support that they're giving um whether it's children, orphan children, or, you know, organizations that work with women, um, women and girls, these individuals were suffering from trauma and either dropping out of school or running away from from home, um, unable to finish any kind of programs or educational or job training programs. So, you know, like the same thing that, of course, we would see here if, if, There's a child who, or youth who is impacted by trauma, of course, it's going to affect all the other areas of their life, and and they wouldn't be able to, you know, focus or make healthy decisions. So we see the same things around the world, and we thought, okay, this piece with trauma is so important, Um, and if the healing doesn't happen, then all of the other investments that are made to support these individuals are... um, are not being able to be really maximized, right? And and the potential of the human isn't maximized. So over the years now, we've really refined our focus, specifically now just working with trauma. um, And we provide what we call community education. So training teachers, um, spiritual leaders, social workers, um, caregivers, so people in the community who work with survivors, we train them in basic trauma, what is trauma, what is the impact of trauma on the brain, on the body, on the social system, um, and help them implement programs that really take healing to a whole other level. So we, And we try to look at, at healing not just from like a, a trauma-informed perspective, which I think is really important but also can only go so far. I mean, I see trauma-informed as like identifying where there has been trauma and trying to create a sense of of safety and kind of strength-based resilience. But the healing piece goes much further, and that's really around helping the survivor work through their story, their symptoms, um, the impact on the nervous system, drawing out those strengths, um, building hope, you know, cultivating a plan for the future. So all the things that we Mm -hmm. would do for for our own kids and family, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of support that we provide for local partners around
1: the world and and also here in the Bay Area. Mm Mm-hmm. My goodness. So, you know, just a little thing that you do on the side, right? You know, it doesn't take up too much (laughs) of your time, you know. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, there's just so much beauty in what you're doing there. And I think one of the things that I love is just how, you know, you're thinking about um, what it means to be trauma informed and how we can really um, access and use community as a way to support healing. I think that's so powerful and that we can go into these spaces um, and, and connect with others in such a really powerful way. I think that's really profound, the work that you all are doing. And so for anybody who's listening, please go to the website – <clears throat> Excuse me. Please go to the website gratitudealliance.org and learn more about what they're doing and um, and donate and support this organization because there's so much um, more that they can do with your support and they really are making such a huge difference. I've been through um, their level one training and have seen how they've taken concepts that can feel really daunting and really difficult and made them you know really approachable and usable as we begin to do this healing work on all these different levels that you talked about, Amy. So I'm just in such appreciation. And, you know, I can only imagine from this journey that you've been on as an individual and then the journey that you've been on as a healer and someone who's working with others that you've learned so much. And, you know, what would you say are some of the key things that that you would highlight that you've really taken away from this journey so far?
3: Hmm. That's a great question. Gosh, there's so many things, but, um, I think you know the thing that I I've, I've learned the most I would say is is just the power that each person has within them to heal. I feel like you know in our western world and I can say this from my own personal experience um going through this program programs or um you know typical counseling programs where there's like an expert in a chair and then, like, you're the person that's being healed that's laying on the couch, Um, is is, can work, yes. It can take a really long time. Um, Talk therapy, for me, has been useful in some aspects. And in other aspects, I feel like it can also promote a dependency and kind of retelling the trauma story over and over. What's been so powerful for me is Um, this idea of healing and community. You know, we are the experts of our own healing journey. I'm the expert of my own healing journey. And so, you know, what does it look like? And especially for cultures around the world, we we in our Western culture seem to have have lost this concept of community. And what we learn from other cultures around the world is where community is just so embedded in what everyone does Um, and how they are and how they relate to each other. You know, trauma is, is something that's relational, and so healing should be too. And, you know, unfortunately, access to resources is not a democratic process. Um, it's inaccessible often and, and inequitable for the communities around the world who really are disproportionately affected by trauma. So coming back to the strengths, the healing power, the inner wisdom is within the community. And when we go through a process together um, and utilize resources that we already have, like music and dancing and movement and song and drama um, and beautiful rites of passage, you know, cultural traditions that have been around for for centuries, for thousands of years even, those are the things that really have the power to take healing to a whole other level spiritual level even that's that's beyond sort of what we process in our cognitive minds when we are engaging in psychotherapy for like 30 years right so it's 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 all about the inner wisdom and and healing together in relationships
1: wow Yes. I mean, come on now. That's like if I were in church back in the day, I'd be like, preach, because that is so important for us to keep in mind. We cannot heal in isolation. And listen, I know folks who are listening, being isolated is one of the easiest places where we can find ourselves as survivors of abuse. And so You know, it's it's understandable we've been hurt by relationship. We've been hurt by other people, and so we sometimes find ourselves in this place where we want to withdraw and step back. Did you ever go through that, Amy? Did you ever find yourself in a place where it was hard um, to reach out to that community or connect into community? And if so, what did you find was helpful for you in those moments to to spur you on and, and to help you find your people and build relationships?
3: Oh, oh yeah, I mean i <laughs> I'm like the I'm the introvert that's kind of often been stuck in extrovert type of work or world, um, so it's really easy for me to fall back into like I'm doing this alone, I have to do this alone, I'm all alone, you know all of that stuff um, for me, and this is this is the hard part, but it's it's that moment of courage where. You know, like when you're eating when you take a when you take a um a look at snacks that you have in front of you and there's the apple and there's the donut. You know that the donut might feel good in the moment, but in the long run it's just gonna cause more pain or I for me it's like oh okay, I'm gonna feel <laughs> yes. pretty crappy like after right. I eat donut. So it's that moment of like, Okay, I'm gonna make a really intentional choice to reach for the apple or to, to reach out for that that friend who's been messaging me and I'm refusing to respond to um because I know that actually I'm gonna feel so good afterwards, and this is the mm-hmm. moment where I get to make the choice, and it's sort of about reclaiming my own power yeah. um, I'm making a choice, and it's 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 a choice for for self love it's mm-hmm. a choice for for healing it's a choice for um for relationships that is really hard to do in the moment and sometimes i get it wrong too and i'll reach for that donut or i'll stay in my isolation um and it's those moments when i just have just enough courage to respond back and say hey thanks for reaching out and then the next step happens and then the mm-hmm. next step happens from there so i don't have to look at it as this big thing like oh okay now i've got a Got to get my butt out of my house and go to this group or something. You know, it's maybe just making that first connection. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it's a small step,
1: but it's such a powerful one. It is, yeah. So little baby steps. You know we talk about that a lot in Beyond Surviving. Is how can we make it doable? How can we make it simple? And it's not go out there and oh now I've got to create. You know be be open and vulnerable with a hundred people. It's you know find that little first place where you can connect in and um and and find that support that you need in this journey. So as we start to wrap up, Amy, I'd love to hear just what are some of the upcoming projects that you have lined up? What's next for you and, and this wild journey of your life? Oh gosh, we've
3: got a lot in the pipeline. Um, so I've been working on a book. It's kind of part memoir, part, um, education, um, around trauma and, and the impact of trauma. Um, and kind of part social commentary on just how we've we've lost our connection to community mm. and, and and thoughts around you know what it takes to to reclaim it. Um, that book is um, the working title is called The Wound Myth, and I'm hoping to finalize that and have it published and in out into the world by 2019. Um, there's also another book, um, so I didn't really talk about this in in this podcast, but. I have my own relationship as a survivor of sexual abuse. So, I was I was molested as a young child, as about five years old, um, and the impact of that and my my freeze response, um, and how that shows up time and time again in my relationships with other people, um, including you know sexual harassment in in the workplace in my 20s, and then even well into, you know, recently in my 40s. Um, So I have a story, it's sort of a Me Too story, that kind of traces back the freeze response from that early childhood experience through these experiences later in life. Um, That's part of an anthology called The Anatomy of Silence. So there's like 20-something other writers who are also sharing their stories. That will be published in 2019, um, and then in the meantime, we have workshops in the Bay Area. Um, we are, I'm so excited about this. We're involved in a workshop coming up this fall that is for self-identified aggressors of abuse. Um, so this workshop is about breaking the cycle of harm. Um, that's happening here in the Bay Area this fall. And we'll continue to also offer workshops and trainings with local partners around the world. So we're working with an organization that supports sex trafficking survivors in Nepal. Next year, there's another organization that works with um, women who are survivors of sexual and gender-based violence and are living as refugees in South Africa. That project will also hopefully happen um, in 2019. Um, So we've got a number of other International projects in the pipeline as well. <laughs> I yeah. love it.
1: Oh my gosh! I told you all. I told you all. You were about to hear from a kick-ass, badass woman. I mean, my gosh, Amy. So absolutely, folks, go to gratitudealliance.org, get on their mailing list so you can hear more about all of these opportunities to receive support and to learn more. So there's upcoming workshops, there's events, there's, you know, how you can, um, you know, learn more about the impact of trauma around the world and definitely Sign up so you can, you know, hear more about the launch of Amy's book. I cannot wait for that. I will be in line to buy that, get a signed copy. <laughs> um, and then this Me Too anthology, The Anatomy of Silence. Wow, that sounds really exciting and fabulous to have a beautiful space for people to be telling their stories. And, of course, you can reach Amy at amy at gratitudealliance.org. So, Amy, any final words for our listeners today? Um just want to say thank you to everyone i
3: i I truly believe that everyone in the world um has been touched by trauma and you know and that it's it's not a mental health issue it's a universal human issue and so to that end you know i'm just stand in solidarity with everyone um and please reach out and and connect with me i'm I'm always here to listen to share and um and to be a
1: friend and an ally in this work. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for being my guest, my friend, my colleague, and my neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and thanks for being here and sharing your story with us today. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening today. And don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review and and a note of what you're gaining or learning from being here with us. And then tune in next time because we have so much more to share. Until then, take good care of you. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery, and I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today.